Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm back with another episode with Liv Burry. Liv is an educator and researcher specializing in the intersection of game theory, technology, and catastrophic risk reduction. She's also a former world-class poker player, winning multiple titles during her professional career, including the European Poker Tour Championship and the World Series of Poker Bracelet. Oh, and did I mention she's classically trained in astrophysics? Pretty remarkable. In this conversation, I dig into how Liv harnesses her creativity to generate productive work. We talk about performing under pressure and so much more. This is the perfect wrap-up to our special three-part series with one of the most interesting and brilliant guests I've ever had on the show. All right, so let's get right to it. Let's lean in and learn from the best. As I got further into who you are and what you're doing, I just got fascinated. Like, you are a brilliant person. I can imagine there's a lot of ideas going off in your brain at one time. You're probably sitting there. Maybe sometimes it's hard to sleep because you've got a lot going off in your head. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how do you focus with all these things going off during the day? How do you get tasks done? Uh I would say this is one of my like weakest areas is I'm not a particularly, you know, on the scale of, I don't know, chaos to organized, I'm heavily in the direction of chaos. That said, you know, like, you know, for example, I was someone who literally didn't even have a calendar, either physical or digital until about three years ago, four years ago, at least not one that I actually used. It wasn't until my like mid late thirties that I was like, I actually got my shit together and managed <laughs> to start using that. I would just hold stuff in my head and be like, oh, and but then I would have an error rate and I would forget stuff. And people are like, why aren't you at this thing? I'm like, oh, so just I will preface any advice I give with that. <laughs> I think it's certainly now with like the work I'm doing, I do feel so strongly that like what I'm doing is my calling. And I just believe in it so deeply and like this message and these ideas. And it's also so interesting, like learning about it. You know, it's not like a settled science that once you've, oh, now you know everything, you've solved competition or whatever. It's like, no, it's really frontier stuff that I think we need more and more minds thinking about, like how do we make our systems more robust to crappy incentives and that kind of stuff. It's really, it has to be a collaborative effort. So that's really the thing that kind of drives me to work against the weaknesses in my, in my behavior, which, you know, is I'm a procrastinator quite well. Let me reframe that. I am someone who sometimes procrastinates. I'm also <laughs> someone who sometimes is disorganized. I'm trying this whole thing where I don't use negative terms to describe myself because that's another thing. It's like, you're not actually that. It's just you're sometimes vulnerable to that process. So It's a um, great way of framing it. Yeah. So, But given that I know that those can be my weaknesses sometimes, I'm like just really trying. And I'm lucky that I have a producer now who is very organized. And I've started taking more time like speaking to my friends who like run big companies or clearly excellent executors at things. And I'm just trying to like emulate them more. My partner, Igor, and I always had this thing, which I've, I personally find really helpful. You know, he was on paper and in probably every way, like a better poker player than me. And We started doing this thing where if I'm in a really tough spot and I notice I'm getting like emotionally unsettled and you know, we call it being on tilt and my play is starting to be a suboptimal, I literally do like, what would Igor do? I'm going to put on my Igor hat and play like how Igor would. And it really, because I have such a good mental model of how he thinks and stuff, just like putting on that hat makes me become more like that. So similarly, I now try and like my friend Natalie, she's extremely 
focused and organized and rigorous in her things. I'm like, I'm going to put on my Natalie hat today and do that. And that really helps for me. I don't know if this works for others, but this, this certainly helps for me. Like figure out who your mentors are and different things. And there's, I don't think anyone should have one singular mentor because no one is perfect. And if you sure. like, try and follow one person too strongly, you're going to pick up their weaknesses as well. And it's like, no, have a like- Copy the models, you copy the errors. Exactly. But if you have like people who are clearly, you know, I have an athlete who's very, very, very sure. organized. I have an eagle who's hyper-logical and rational and emotionally controlled in, you know, tough situations. I have a this person, I have a this person. And I just like put those hats on when necessary. It's really, I've, I've found very helpful. You actually brought up a follow-on I wanted to ask you. With all of this stuff, I mean, with intelligence comes these kind of explosions, right? I don't know how you feel them in your brain. How do you focus when you're under pressure? Because you've done this so many times. I mean, you've won at an elite level, and then you consistently performed at a high level. A good friend of mine, Dr. Peter Haberl, says attention is the currency of performance. So true. Mm. Every elite performer wants to control their awareness and attention. How do you do that under pressure with this ultra creativity that you have? I think, I mean, the thing that definitely helps for me is having deadlines. Like ultimately, for example, I have a TED talk coming up in a month's time. And in many ways, like I'm already kind of stressed about it. I know what I want to talk about. I know roughly- This is your second TED talk though, right? My second one. Yeah. Yeah. This this one is going to be about AI and Moloch. Okay. Here we go. Really important topic. And I deeply believe in it. And I want to do an absolute 10 out of 10 job. And yeah, I'm like still struggling with like, <laughs> you know, oh, I should probably get to writing today. Oh, I don't quite feel like it. Oh, there's, I need to do this. There's, you know, it's, it, it's still, I'm still struggling with it falling into the important, but not urgent category. But I do know that like come to two weeks out from the event, the pressure is going to become so insurmountable that if need be, I will be able to pull it together and get everything I, I can done. So knowing that there is a firm deadline is very helpful. Which is probably why, like, I've never written a book. I had so many book ideas. Oh, this show, you should write this. I should write this. But in reality, like, it's something that is not well suited to my personality. Because it's like, where do you, you know, so it's actually something where I would need to create artificial scarcity for myself in terms of, like, deadlines in order to, like, get my creativity and focus it. But at the same time, sometimes if an idea is just so intellectually stimulating, then I won't be able to stop thinking about it. And the focus will just happen naturally without a deadline. I'm just thinking like under pressure, like when you were playing in a tournament, right? Like the Mm -hmm. European or whatever, and it's the championship. I mean, you're playing several thousand hands. I did some really bad math, but I I started like, how how long is like the World Series of Poker? And what would it take to, you know, blah, 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 blah. With these like sparks going off, was the game stimulating enough that where you could keep your focus? Did you ever find yourself like, oh, shoot, I'm on autopilot. I need to pull it back. All the time. Okay. All the time. And that was increasingly a thing that made me realize that I probably should like hang up my my mm. poker playing shoes because in many ways it was like I wasn't seeing anything particularly new anymore. That's not to say that the game didn't actually have more depth to, for me to explore. It's just that combination of I'd just been there for playing it so much and I didn't have... Would it be fair to say it got boring? Yeah, it did. It got boring. No, it's, it's very okay. visible to say. Totally. You know, you do something for 12 years, you're probably going to get bored of it eventually. And honestly, it'd be kind of sad if I hadn't. You know, I don't yeah. want to just like be a poker player for my whole life. Not to say that there's anything wrong with those who do continue to find it stimulating. I understand. I really, really struggled with it at the table. And I think, to be fair, 
it's not too much of a problem because, you know, you're playing a tournament, let's say you might be playing 12 hour days. You get a 15 minute break every two hours, an hour dinner break one time to expect yourself to be able to stay focused and watch everything that goes on for that entire time for them possibly like four days in a row, especially in the early stages where nothing that exciting is happening is unreasonable. And Mm -hmm. what I didn't want to get into is in this feeling of guilt, punishing myself for not being able to stay focused Mm -hmm. and just being a bit more realistic and being like, no, it's okay to like browse, read something on my phone or talk to somebody else and just not pay attention to the game for a while. Some poker players would think that's like heresy, what I've just said. But <laughs> I don't know. I For me, that worked better. But, it, you know, it's like finding the balance that made sense. There's obviously too much inattention is bad. You, you need some degree of focus. And some days I just was more focused than others. I can't say I found a secret ingredient. I think if I got out and did some exercise, that usually helps burn off some of the like excess. It just like takes the edge off a little bit. But you want to like talk to a poker player who's really good at that. I would say someone like, Justin Bonomo or Stephen Chidwick, those guys, you know, they've been playing for longer than me even. And they are as focused as ever in terms of like, they can sit at the table and they're just like Buddhist monks, sit there paying attention. They don't look at their phone. They don't pick at their nails and look around the room. They are just paying attention. And I'm just like, damn. (laughs) That's an amazing skill. I mean, I think I would consider you a lifelong learner or creative. What's your source of learning? Like, where do you go back to? Where's your well of information? These days, it's just the internet, really. Like, I've, at least for a period of time, I had curated my Twitter feed pretty well to being about, like, people who I'm interested in. Mm. And it's serving up topics that I'm likely to find interesting. That's still, by and large, true. So that is one resource I've actually really like started getting back into reading fiction books again. I have found that my attention span because of the internet and everything has has atrophied a bit. And it is harder for me to read like a long form nonfiction book. So I think a lot of my nonfiction learning comes from short form internet stuff. But I don't think that's necessarily a problem because if there's like a really top, you know, a topic that I then want to dive in on, I'll go read a science paper on it or go down a like Wikipedia rabbit hole or whatever. Sometimes you, I'll also read a book. Read Nir Eyal's book, Indistractable. No, you should. Nir's actually coming on the show. He wrote the book Hooked, which is about the mm-hmm. how technologists like create these behavior loops. But he wrote a book called Indistractable. What's really interesting, a part of this book was he's talking about like people are like, oh, going online is wasting time. Not if you plan for it. Depends. It's like saying going to the gym is wasting time. It depends what you do. Yeah. I'm talking about like people that are just like getting on and just scrolling. Right. And everybody's like, oh, you're just wasting time. It's like, he's like, no, like in your case here, you curated your Twitter feed for a source of knowledge. So like, you know, I'm going to sit down and go through this and see what's coming at me today. I don't know. I think it's very interesting. I've started looking at time in different ways. If I've created knowledge banks for myself, then not being undisciplined and going to scroll to numb the mind, but they're going like, okay, I'm going to go learn something specific right now and I'm going to come to it and I'm going to go back. But I'm always curious with people like yourself that I would consider a creative. I mean, you just go, <laughs> people that are listening to this, go to your YouTube page, go listen to your podcast. It's just fascinating. The topics that you're covering are just, it's just very interesting. And I'm like, this this girl is like, man, to be in her mind, it's it's got to be just almost overwhelming it sometimes, I could imagine, all the different creative ideas that you may have. 
And to be able to harness that is the true power, I think. Because like mm. then you can focus it down, and then that's when the magic happens. I'm here. Any tips you got, I'm I'm here for them <laughs> because it's definitely my weakness. Yeah. So indistractable, I should read that. Yeah. And then also I would say my dad, he wrote the book, The Art of Profiling. He's a behavioral profiler. And there's something about like people are like, oh, you know, a lot of kids got ADD nowadays. Well, kids, I have three of them, right? 11 and under. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're not androids. They don't just sit there, right? They need more stimulation. And if you're more unpredictable or outside the box, people can wrongfully associate needing more stimulation with you have ADD or whatever. Some people just need more stimulation. Yeah, I have a friend at Wharton. He's a neuroscientist and you know his house is full of all sorts of stimulating environments for his kids but he's like kids need stimulation that's how neuroplasticity is created your brain is responding to its environment and adapting and i don't think we should confuse the fact that some folks especially that are more unconventional which is great that's how you create need more stimulation the problem is, is when we can't rein it in right And I think that's where sometimes time constraints can be helpful. So I would recommend that book, Indistractable, because it's not just one of these, you've read one, you've read them all, like self-help books. Like Nira really gets into some of the psychology of this. And then also I would just say like understanding who you are from a psychological perspective, that I'm more creative. I need more stimulation. That's what actually feeds this thing. But then if you can create some type of creative constraints around it, then you can kind of move down the field. Kind of like you said, like an artificial timeline. Your TED Talk is a real timeline. For me, like all, all people, the hardest thing is getting started, right? And sometimes you just got to go, I'm going to do it. But when you right. do that. Five words, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that agitation, though, is your sympathetic nervous system ramping up, which then brings your focus to a diffuse point. So your focus is here. When you feel that agitation, your sympathetic nervous system is going up. You get this kind of dump of catecholamines and now you're like, you're in it. You're like, Mm. it's the barrier to entry that's really hard. But once you're over that hump, that's when the magic happens. And so I guess for you and anybody else listening, I would just say push through it. And that's kind of takes a little bit of resilience. But um, Liv, I just want you to know that I'm really excited to see the good work that you're going to continue to do. I'm going to be listening to the podcast. We'll definitely be sharing the Moloch video and the link in the show notes. Is there anything else you'd like people to know about you or a place they can connect with you? Yeah, I mean, the best, I am spend way too much time on Twitter. So I, that's always a good place to follow me. Same with YouTube. That's where most of my content is now going these days. But yeah, those are the two places I'd recommend. Yeah, I think that's it. And I sometimes, like, I can't promise I will always respond to DMs, but my DMs are open and I will caveat that with, like, I do get a lot. So I can't always respond, but sometimes I do, if especially something grabs my attention. Hey, so. you came on my podcast. I think that's how I reached out. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment, leave us a rating and review on whichever listening platform you are joining us from, as this is one of the best ways that you can support the show. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.